Good morning, this is Lucinda Kay, and you're listening to Speaking Freely. I'm so glad that you are along for the ride. I have some really amazing guests, as usual, and they're from Portland Women in Technology. We're going to start with Megan Bigelow. She's the founder and president of PDX WIT. Morning and welcome. Good morning. Hello. Thanks for being here. It's great to be here. So first, let's set the stage. Just what is PDX WIT? Yeah, PDX WIT is a nonprofit that has the purpose of encouraging those who identify as women, non-binary and underrepresented to join tech. And we support and empower those folks so they stay in tech. Why have a group? Because uh, historically, these are the groups of people who are traditionally underrepresented in a lot of industries and very particularly in the technology industry. Mm -hmm. And you work in the technology industry yourself. I do. I've been doing it for 20 years. Yeah. What do you do? I am a manager of engineers. Mm -hmm. So I get to work with a lot of really smart people solving a lot of really hard problems. Wow. That's a big job. Yeah, it is. I love it. And over those 20 years, you have discovered many golden nuggets about the experience of humans and technology and about gaps and disconnects and connections. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I would say that when I set out to solve the problem that I was experiencing, that's sort of how PDX Wit was born. Like almost eight years ago, I wanted to find a community that I could lean on for support so I could continue to navigate the industry. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I have um, understood and come to realize very recently is the struggle that I face as a white woman Mm -hmm. is very different than the struggle that people who are not white women experience in tech. Mm -hmm. And um, so myself personally and PDX Women in Tech have really doubled down on how do we make sure that we are understanding the full scope of the struggle and what can we do to solve it? Yeah. And so you put together a survey, right? And this is the third year for the survey? The third year. Yep. Yeah. Set us up for that. Describe the survey. Yeah. So a little bit of history. We, we started out the survey in 2017 and then iterated on it in 2018. Um, and in 2018, we really focused on workplace harassment. And when we went into building the 2019 survey, we certainly wanted to dig into that again. Mm-hmm. But because our organization has been undergoing a racial equity review, we decided to make sure that we had a perspective. We were coming at it from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, So when we launched the survey in 2019, earlier this year, um, we ended up having over 5,000 people respond. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So last year it was only 800. So once we had that um, immense data set, Mm -hmm. we were actually able to very thoughtfully cut lines through the data so that we could layer in the experiences of people across gender lines and racial lines and ethnicity lines that we hadn't been able to see before. And so what did you learn? So this year we learned that um, for folks who are like me, mm-hmm. white, heterosexual, cisgendered, which means that I, um, I represent and identify as the, as the gender that I was born with, uh-huh. um, that means that people like me have a different experience at their company in terms of how they feel included and supported. Okay. So we, uh, white individuals, overwhelmingly feel like our companies are inclusive mm-hmm. and that they are actually authentically, um, you know, on a DNI journey, diversity and inclusion journey. But people who are within the BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, and people of color category mm-hmm. do not agree. Mm. And so if you kind of look into that, what we see is that, I mean, going into it, we knew that the leaders of tech companies are predominantly white men and women. Mm-hmm. Those leaders are the ones that are investing and directing diversity and inclusion initiatives. Yeah. 
So what we're seeing is that those white individuals are building DNI programs and initiatives that are benefiting other white people. So they they want to create a diverse environment, but they are filtering filtering ideas, yes. they're filtering questions, they're filtering their own curiosity through their own personal filter. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Which happens in well, everywhere around the world. Of course. Right? Like it's people a, are always communicating through their own personal absolutely. filter. Absolutely. And I want to be very, of, exactly. And I want to be very clear that mm-hmm. I did it too. Mm-hmm. I have done it when I created PDX Wit. Yeah. I didn't realize it. And it wasn't until I had a really a, a group of people that surrounded me to help me process this information mm-hmm. and that I had the sort of intention that we had the intention to peel back these layers that we uncovered uh, what we had just been perpetuating, mm-hmm. which was asking questions and creating programs mm-hmm. that benefit people that are within my own likeness. Mm-hmm. And that's um, now that I have that understanding and now that we as an organization have that understanding, we can take a big step back and start to analyze the broader set of data and make really meaningful, impactful change. Woo. That's a lot. But the cool thing is, is that because y'all are in tech, you're coming at it from a data perspective. Totally. Right. You're you're coming at an idea that has so many gray lines, but with black and white. Yep. Data. Yeah. So what an interesting place for you to be. Oh, yeah. And we iterate very quickly. Mm -hmm. Like we were like, all right, well, now that we have this information, like the first thing we need to do is get this information out and share it broadly. Mm -hmm. Um, But I will say that even though iterating quickly and wanting to respond quickly is like what we want to do because we're in tech, Mm -hmm. we also have to recognize that matters related to this need to take time. So we have to slow ourselves down. We have to be very thoughtful. We have to make sure that we're getting the proper education mm-hmm. um, and making sure that the steps that we take are meaningful and authentic because if they aren't and they happen too fast, you can actually perpetuate and cause more damage. Yeah, exactly. I want to bring up to the microphone Erin Grace. She's a technical writer and she's a member of the Confederated Tribe of Selets. Thank you for joining me. Hi, thank you very much. It's so nice to see you. Tell me, what does it mean to be a technical writer? So a technical writer basically takes engineering speak yes. <laughs> and then translates it into something that other people can understand. So pretty much you're an interpreter. Yeah, basically I'm an interpreter. I talk to engineers all day. I find out what's happening with our systems and our software. And then I take what I've learned from them and pass along information to our users so that they know how to use our systems. They understand how it works and how they can use it um, in a way that's comfortable and easy for them to use. And Grace, I mean, Aaron, tell me why you are a technical writer. Why in the world did you join the world of technology? Um, It was actually kind of an accident. Uh, I was originally going to be a Japanese interpreter or not an interpreter rather, but a translator. Mm -hmm. And um, while I was in the process of following that career path, um, shortly after college, one of my friends asked me if I wanted to come work on this help desk. And I was like, no, <laughs> I have no interest in technology. Thank you very much. Uh-huh. Um, but at the time I was just waiting tables and I thought, OK, well, you know, it's a little extra money, whatever. Sure. And when I got into it, I found out that I actually really loved it. I loved being on the phone with people and helping them and helping them solve their problems and mm-hmm. being empathetic about the problems they were having um, and just working together to help them figure out what they needed to know. Mm -hmm. Um, And over time, I started to realize that, you know, I had always loved to write and that there was a way for me to marry my love of writing with my love of helping people with their software and it's Mm -hmm. technical writing. Yeah. So it's like my, it's my thing. It's my raison (laughs) d'etre. 
<laughs> That's so cool. And do you still speak Japanese? I do still speak Japanese. So you're a lover of language. Oh, too. yes, very much so. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Tell me, um, what has? how would you define the experience? And I'm sure there are different seasons of your experience in yeah. the world of technology. Oh, gosh. Um, the female, Native American smaller group yeah. represented in technology. Yeah, of course. And actually sort of the, like an extra layer on that is that I present relatively white, but like I have this skin tone thing where I think people can't tell if I just have a really great tan mm -hmm. or I'm not white. Mm -hmm. And so I do sometimes run up against like a little bit of a wall where people are trying to like feel it out uh -huh. <laughs> um, instead of just asking instead of just asking um i mean when i waited tables people would be like what are you so at least <laughs> in tech nobody i'm not sure that's how yeah. i should go about that question i'm a, I'm a dog <laughs> no um and so i definitely have had the experience where people i can tell that they're like a little bit uncomfortable but they're not sure how to address it mm -hmm. um and so Part of what I've started doing is just telling people like not in the middle of a meeting like yes and today you know I wrote these topics and then I'm going to speak to Joe in engineering and also by the way I'm part of the Confederate Tribes of Sleds just in case some of you were wondering like that's not really the way I go about it but mm -hmm. like as you're interacting with your coworkers, it's really easy for me to drop like oh yeah I'm going down to like do this thing with my tribe and mm -hmm. then that kind of helps open up the dialogue so mm -hmm. that people feel less awkward about it mm -hmm. um at the same time though like i do benefit from the fact that i'm a much lighter skinned native person and so a certain kind of person probably finds me a little less intimidating hmm. <laughs> and i try as much as i can to use that power to like kind of demystify mm -hmm. the native experience like yes i can work in tech yeah i'm really good at english no we didn't all die out um don't ask me about spirit animals or blood quantum <laughs> oh gosh do people do that um I have learned to nip it in the bud. Uh -huh. There's this um, festival that my tribe has every six months. Mm -hmm. It's like a solstice festival. And every solstice, I kind of celebrate it in like a little tiny way mm -hmm. at the office. And I specifically have a, um, a note that I keep up on my cube that mm -hmm. says some questions you might have. And because I'm a technical writer and my whole job is I want to make information easy for you to consume in yeah. a way that you don't feel like ashamed for having questions. Mm -hmm. And so I just dive into things like, you know, maybe you're curious, how much are you? And I'm uh -huh. like, that's actually not a very polite question. Uh -huh. I, I appreciate your curiosity, but please don't actually ask any native person that it's sort of insensitive. Mm -hmm. What's your spirit animal? Oh, well, that's actually also a little insensitive. <laughs> <laughs> um, my tribe doesn't have spirit animals, but if you know someone who's in a tribe that does, that's a little personal. Maybe mm -hmm. don't. Mm -hmm. um, also, just never say that as like a thing mm -hmm. to be like, you know, Beyonce is my spirit animal. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a trendy thing to say right now. Yeah. And so I try to use like the the power that I have, minor though it may be, to like help people understand. And then hopefully by me providing like some information up front, it'll be helpful should they meet other natives in tech because we are mm -hmm. definitely out there. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think these are just such beautiful lessons to apply in the world, like, right? Like, learn how to ask each other what our story is without making assumptions. Learn how to ask open-ended questions and learn how to create space for people to share yeah, absolutely. back and forth. Uh, tell me what, so you're a part of the group, also PDX Women in Tech. Mm -hmm. uh, tell me what that's provided for you. 
It's been really nice um, to be able to join. I am a really huge introvert. And so it's, I don't go someplace unless I really, really want to be there. Uh Um, And after going to my first PDX WIT meetup, I was so excited and energized um, in a way that I don't normally get being an introvert. Wow. Um, It has been absolutely wonderful because there are so many people there and the, like a the purpose of PDX what is to give a community to people who feel like they don't have a community in technology. Mm-hmm. And because of that, even if people don't know what to do to interact with me, like uh, as a, as a p- woman of color, mm-hmm. um, on the other hand, they also are so open and earnestly curious. Mm-hmm. Um, and because they have also experienced like, a little bit of oppression themselves, they mm-hmm. are understanding when I say, oh, actually that thing you said is just not very great. Mm-hmm. Maybe don't do that. They're like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. I won't. And then it's not a big deal. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, Maybe that's just fabulous. Ask it like this. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's it's been a really great experience um, just being able to talk to people and share my experience with them. Um, yeah, I've really had a great time with it. That's so great. Thank you, Erin. I want to bring Don. Mott to the microphone. She's a software developer. You're listening to Speaking Freely with Lucinda Kay, and um, we are hanging out with the Portland Women in Technology, and they put out a big survey, got thousands of replies, really trying to understand the experience of different people in the world of technology. So, Don, tell us what it means to be a software developer. Being a software developer can mean all types of things. There are so many languages and different aspects of the job. Personally, I focus in JavaScript and uh, CSS, HTML. I'm definitely more front end. Mm -hmm. And I like it. I like making things that are on the web that can help other people. Yeah, why? Why did you join the world of technology? I wanted something more in my life. I wanted a change from bouncing from job to job or career to career. I wanted something that would be a lifetime Mm -hmm. career. Mm -hmm. And I felt like tech was the way to go. And uh, what has the experience been like for you? It has been, how cliche, but a roller coaster. Uh Ups and downs. I'm happy that I'm here. I'm happy I made the transition. But I wouldn't say that it's been easy. Mm -hmm. Why hasn't it been easy? I think that a lot of people, especially in Portland, like to think the best of themselves Mm -hmm. and don't like to question their motives when it comes to speaking to someone or interacting with someone who is different from them or who they're used to speaking with. Mm -hmm. So I definitely have been pegged as the angry black woman by people who have specifically told me that they didn't want to view me that way. Mm -hmm. And they do. So I find that very hard because I don't think I'm angry very often. I think I'm really pleasant. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, a stereotype that I wish didn't exist. Yeah. Why? How does that even come about? And how would they even say it to you? It comes about from speaking my mind. Mm -hmm. And I feel no more so than people that are around me Mm -hmm. that are not black or female. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I do feel empowered to be myself and to speak up. I Mm -hmm. feel like maybe that comes from my parents or within. I don't really know. Mm -hmm. Possibly having a community helps. But on a job site, I often don't have a community. Even if there are other women around they're not always open to the idea that as a woman of color, I have a different experience. Mm-hmm. So 
the isolation gets rough. Mm-hmm. But like I said, that's why I, I sought out groups like PDX Wit, and I'm so happy that they exist because when I'm there, I don't feel alone. Yeah, tell me about that. Tell about tell me about joining. Tell me about like your first day walking in to the group. The first day I walked in, I was not in tech yet. I was thinking of making a change. Mm-hmm. And it was a summer soiree Mm -hmm. and it was swarming with people. There were so many people and I was so nervous. So I got in line for a drink, you know, to make myself feel better. And immediately someone starts talking to me Mm -hmm. and I tell them I'm not in tech. And they start explaining all the resources that I can get and which, you know, areas might I be interested in. Uh And there was no judgment of like, well, why are you here? Yeah. Because I was really worried that people were going to like, wonder you know why is there like an interloper like in our masses <laughs> she doesn't know anything and it wasn't like that at all it was just right. full of people that were a lot of them were just getting started too mm-hmm. and there were people that were veterans and everyone was welcoming and it was great and what did you what was your job before you stepped into technology most recently i was working as a freelance bookkeeper and an administrative assistant in a nonprofit. so you have a lot of brain power <laughs> yeah now i'm a software developer no big Oh, well, anyone can do it. <laughs> well, I think that is an understatement. I mean, an overstatement, actually. But that's cool that you think that, because I don't think I could be a software developer. I think you could. Uh, thank you for that little boost. Tell me, so y'all put out a, a survey, uh, Portland Women in Tech launched the survey, got thousands of replies. What were the surprises in it for you? Hmm. If any. I don't know that I was that surprised. Mm-hmm. I feel like I see from my perspective, people that are marginalized, we tend to just maybe have a more realistic view of what's going on. We don't have rose colored glasses on all the time. We can't afford to. We have to look around and see what's really happening. And I feel like people that are part of the majority can feel good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they can just wake up and feel good and get to work and feel good. And I wake up and I feel okay. And then I get to work and I'm like, oh, Okay, this again, Mm -hmm. which it's not to say that I don't work with good people. It's just they're all the same person and I'm different Mm -hmm. and that's hard. Do you think that they feel the same way that they're all the same or? No, I'm sure everyone feels like a special Mm -hmm. snowflake. Mm -hmm. I hope that we all feel like individuals, you know, but there is this thing called whiteness that exists and I don't have it Mm -hmm. (laughs) and other people do. Mm-hmm. And when I'm with everyone else that has that thing, it's obvious that I don't. Mm. Obvious in just by looking at the group or obvious in what ways? Obvious by looking at all of us. Obvious by talking about our lived experiences. Obvious by, I mean, positive and negative experiences. Mm-hmm. I was told that someone appreciated my people's muscular muscularity. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what do you mean my people's muscularity? You know? <laughs> Yeah. And it's like, that's great. But also, like, please don't say that again. Right. Yeah. Okay. I want to bring back up to the microphone Megan Bigelow. She's the founder and president of Portland Women in Tech. And um, Megan, what what are some of the nuggets that came out of this survey that you really want people to hear? Yeah. So, I mean, I already talked about, I would say, the main nugget, which is the experience of white and cis individuals in tech is very different than the experience of people who are trans and or gender nonconforming or within the black, indigenous and people of color categories. 
Um, the other thing that's really important to call out here is that, and, and just calling out myself because I'm the architect of this survey, mm-hmm. there's a series of questions that we asked that were related to the experience of working in tech. Mm -hmm. And since I personally, as a white woman, created those questions based on my experience, I was asking questions that really were only could be answered yes by other white women. Mm. And when um, we got the results of that, it it was eye-opening for me in the sense that I I was expecting, for example, uh, a question like, do you experience it being um, spoken over in meetings or having your ideas like taken away or stolen? Mm-hmm. White women overwhelmingly answered yes to that question, mm-hmm. but people in the BIPOC category didn't. And I didn't understand that. I just assumed that if I was within a group that's more marginalized or more oppressed, that they that they would just answer it more. There would be more of them saying yes, mm-hmm. but that wasn't true. Mm-hmm. And when I started to dig in, and thankfully I have people in my life that can be very honest with me mm-hmm. um, and say like, Megan, your experience as a white woman is not everyone's experience. Mm-hmm. And learning that for myself shifted everything. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest message I want to share here is that we cannot expect this world to change if those of us that benefit from whiteness can't see beyond our own whiteness. Mm -hmm. And the other thing to be clear is that, um, you know, it's not my fault that I have white skin or that I can benefit from whiteness, Mm -hmm. but it is my responsibility to remove myself and educate myself from it because I don't have to identify with it, Mm -hmm. but I have to do the hard work to make that clear. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's what I'm trying to ask of other people that are leadership in leadership positions at tech companies, because this is how we're going to change the world. Yes. Tell us more about how do you want things to be different? What can each of us as individuals, no matter whom we are, what industry we're in, what can we be doing differently? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a, there's a number of things. I would say that many companies are doing things today, but not quite tuned in the right. It's sort of like tone deaf. So for example, There's a lot of tech companies that are having every single person undergo unconscious bias training. The thing is, is that there's good unconscious bias training and there's bad unconscious bias training. Mm -hmm. So um, I can't in this conversation be very specific about which ones are good and which ones are bad. But to just clarify to people that um, there is a difference and you need to make sure that you're looking for training that's actually educating people who are in the dominant group that um, how they can contribute and stop contributing to the problem. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the other thing is making sure that when you want to make meaningful change in your companies, that you hire and pay people to do that work. Mm. Oftentimes it is asked of individual contributors who happen to be minority populations of the company. Mm -hmm. They're often leaned on to do that work because they have that experience. But you can imagine like the massively oppressive situation that that can put someone in and it's not their job. Well, and they're still having to manage all of their other responsibilities and try to create a culture (laughs) shift. And just imagine an individual contributor who's not only burdened by doing this work, Mm -hmm. trying to do their own job, trying to tell the main boss what (laughs) to do differently. It's not going to work out so well. Well, um, and then I think at a very basic and very human level, and this is something every single person can do is educate yourself. Mm -hmm. And when I say educate yourself, I don't mean go get a degree. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
figure out the history of this country. Mm-hmm. Look into the history of our indigenous populations. What happened there? We should know that. Mm-hmm. What happened in the city that we live in, mm-hmm. right? Portland itself has a very racist history. Mm-hmm. It's important for us to understand that because we live in neighborhoods that were not always available to everyone. Mm-hmm. And that's good context when you're interacting with your neighbors. Sure. Um, and also um, just when you have questions and what we heard from Aaron and Don, people are curious, right? We want people to have their questions answered, mm-hmm. but don't burden the people that you have those questions of. You can find answers to those things online, mm-hmm. right? Well, if you don't know what a spirit animal is, go look it up and figure it out. Mm-hmm. And the internet will tell you mm-hmm. when it's appropriate to talk about it and when it isn't, as mm-hmm. an example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to bring back to the microphone Aaron Grace. She's a technical writer and a tribal member of Celets. And Erin, what would you have people do differently? Um, I was actually going to lean exactly on that same point. Like sometimes, honestly, Google is your friend. Mm -hmm. Like if you have questions and sometimes, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. So it is entirely possible to miss that you should look something up because it's potentially offensive. Mm -hmm. But if you do have that awareness that this could be a sore subject, um, and generally anything around race is a little bit of a sore subject sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's very incumbent upon you to look it up, mm-hmm. go to Google, say, you know, what is blood quantum? My mm-hmm. my technical writer colleague was just complaining about blood quantum. What even is that? Rather than, you know, asking me to take time out of my day. I know we were complaining at the coffee, but now I have to go to work. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Look it up for yourself. Educate yourself. Mm-hmm. Learn more about the history. Um, so I really like to encourage and nurture communication face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Are there ways to ask questions so that we can be gathering direct information from each other oh, without yeah. offending each other? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think for me, the the biggest burden comes in when people expect me to stop my work Mm -hmm. to educate them. Mm -hmm. Like if we're at after work drinks and you want to ask me stuff about my tribe, I'm not Mm going to complain, Mm -hmm. especially if you approach me in a respectful way. And if I tell you I don't like that, Mm -hmm. that's offensive or I don't really like the way you phrased that. Could you try it this way? Mm -hmm. If you then process that information and say, okay, I will back off or okay, I will rephrase Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. That's great. You just being respectful, but you know, don't come up to my cube in the middle of the day when I'm trying to do my work and mm-hmm. say like, "Hey, so I heard about this uh, festival you got going. You got like, you know, half an hour, an hour to explain the entire <laughs> history of, you know, your tribe in mm-hmm. Oregon." Mm-hmm. No, I don't no, actually. No. <laughs> <laughs> so be mindful also of you know the timing, mm-hmm. um, the situation is really helpful as well. That's great. I want to hear from Don Mott. She's a software developer. And Don, how would you guide people to do things differently, to communicate differently? Communication is so interesting. Just always be nice. Be nice. It's so ridiculous. But if you feel like there's a stereotype or you're thinking something negative about a person, you look over and you see someone who looks a little bit different and, Mm -hmm. you know, you have that split second where you're not thinking something nice. What about go up and say hi? Like, how are you? Who are you? Nice to meet you. Mm -hmm. Like, this is who I am. Like, let's get to know each other. You're probably not scary. You know, nine times out of 10, most people like, especially at a networking event or in the office, want to at least say hi. Yes. Feel seen. Yes. And I think um, I talk a lot about the law of exchange, um, you know, where you replace one thought with another because your behavior will follow it. Right. So if you see 
somebody walk in and your first thought is, those are not cute shoes, right? Your face is going to look like that. Whereas instead, you could swap that thought quickly and say, those look like comfortable shoes, right? Your face is going to match it. So the same way you're approaching people like, ah, I wonder what their story is instead of that person looks different, right? For sure. Like swapping out those thoughts. Thank you so much to Thank Don you. Mott, software developer, Aaron Grace, technical writer, and Miss Megan Bigelow. Your final thought for us. Yeah, my final thought is that I'd like everyone to go to www.pdxwit.org and please read the survey results, share the survey results, and internalize what that means. And especially if you are a white cis individual like myself, determine what you personally can do to change because it's incumbent on people like us. We have the most power in this society and in this system. We can be extreme advocates for changing this world and the industry. And you can actually check out those results on my blog at kxl.com. I've listed the survey there. As always, get out there, ask open-ended questions, choose kindness, as we've been talking about today. You've been listening to Speaking Freely with Lucinda Kay. Get out there and be your best, bold self.